welcome to the preaching ministry of the Agape Baptist Church in George, South Africa. Good morning, Agape family. The sermon recording this morning is from Pastor Herb Hunter and from taken from Psalm 19. I trust it will be an encouragement and a blessing to you. This morning, we want to turn our attention to the 19th Psalm, Psalm chapter 19. And what a psalm it is. It's one of my personal favorites in all the Psalter. That's what we call the book of Psalms, the Psalter. Um, in the Psalter, this is perhaps one of my all-time favorite verses. The truth is that God communicates with us. It's one of the great distinctives of our God. Yes, God is transcendent. God is above all. He's majestic and great and grand and glorious, way beyond our ability to fully comprehend. But what is unique about our God is that he comes near to us and he's transcendent, yes, and imminent. He comes close to us and reveals himself to us. And that's the theme of this psalm. Now, in this psalm, we learn about two of the ways in which God reveals himself. So there's simply two points. Now, there's a number of subpoints, but there's simply two main points. God reveals himself to us. How does he do that? Well, first, God reveals himself to us through what theologians call general revelation. Now, what is general revelation? Well, general revelation is the way God lets us know that he exists. And how does God let us know that he exists? How do we know in this world, apart from the written word of God, how do we know in a general sense that there is a God? Well, one of the ways he does that, the way the psalmist emphasizes, is that he does it through nature. Look in Psalm 19 and verse 1. The heavens declare the glory of God. If you go outside at night when it's dark and there's no clouds in the sky, and you just look up, perhaps you're in a location where there's not a lot of light pollution, and if you look up into the sky, you'll see these millions of pinpricks, these tiny points of light that lay on a backdrop of a jet black sky. Now consider, God made all of this. The sky literally proclaims his handiwork. Here are a couple of pictures uh, that I took. This one particularly I took during our Bible boys retreat in Sedgefield. This was a sunrise in the morning. I want you to consider this. God was responsible for this beauty. It says something about him. It says something about his greatness, his grandeur, his immensity, and his power. I took this picture at the little break spot just down the hill from the private hospital. There's a bry area there. I took this one evening when I was going home, this sunset. This says something about God's creativity, his might, his power. If this doesn't speak to you, I don't think you're listening. Because in verse 2, it says, Every day pours out speech. Day to day pours out speech. And night to night reveals knowledge. Every day speaks. It's not just beautiful sunrise and sunsets. It's every day. The beaches, the cliffs. The ocean, the waterfalls, the forests. Every day, God is screaming to his creation, look at what I have made. I exist. I am here. I made this. I am real. Every day and every night reveal that there is a wise and powerful creator. 
And this is the one language that is universally understood. You know, I can't speak Kosa. One of the main languages in our province is Kosa. I think I know Molo. That's the only word I know in Kosa. And although I've been studying Afrikaans for a year and a half now, I confess I can't speak Afrikaans very well either. By a donkey. There, that's about what I know. It's difficult for me to communicate with somebody who speaks these languages all there is to know about God. But we do share a language. All humanity shares a language that can be understood. They can see outside as well as I can. And so as verse 3 says, there is no speech nor are there words whose voice is not heard. There is no place on planet earth that cannot hear the testimony of God that he exists because he has made all there is to view and see on planet earth. There is no place where their words cannot be heard. Verse 4, their voice goes out through all the earth. If you are a science researcher staying at the South African National Antarctic Exploration Station, Sine 1, we'll call it, in Antarctica, or if you're a housewife in Pack-a-Lunch, South Africa, or you're a kite maker in Podunk, Alberta, there is no way you do not know that there is a God. Simply look around. Everything that is made was made by God. Look around and see the evidence. So how does God reveal himself to us? He reveals himself to us in all that he has made. He tells us about his greatness, about his power through the things that he has made. Consider the sun. The sun, according to verse 4b and verse 5, is like a groom who comes out of his tent on his wedding day. Anxiously anticipating his upcoming marriage, he bursts forth from the tent like a sunrise with a sunbeam spread across the sky. Every day that happens. Then the sun makes its course, its uh, set traveling pattern across the sky. Everything on earth is warmed by its heat, although I question how much heat there is in the sun right now. It's that cold in South Africa. And I know that in Alberta as well, the same kind of thing happens. It gets so cold, you wonder if there's any heat in the sun. This is an amazing creation that God has made, and it speaks to us about who God is. Kind of makes you feel like singing, what a wonderful world. Seriously. This is an amazing, stunningly beautiful planet that God has made. And don't forget, this planet is suffering under the effects of the curse of sin. Can you imagine what the new heaven and the new earth will finally look like? So, general revelation is where God, who wants to be known, declares his might and power through the world that he has made. Romans chapter 1 verse 20 teaches us this. It says, For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and the things that have been made, so they are without excuse. God reveals himself to us. Something of his might, something of his power, something of his creative genius, something of his appreciation of beauty through the things that he has made. Now, beginning in verse 7, we are brought to another way in which God reveals himself. In verse 7, 
we are introduced to special revelation. We have general revelation, which we see in nature, but we need more specifics. We cannot know the plan of God in the gospel. We cannot know all that God wants us to do and be just by looking in nature. And so God has also given to us special revelation. Special revelation contains much more specific and much more direct revelation that impacts us personally. You know, I can sit out in the woods next to a stream. I can go hiking in the mountains, but that doesn't give me enough information about how I might be related to God personally. It doesn't give me enough information about what I do with my sin and the fallenness that plagues the human condition. What do I do about that? Well, I need special revelation to find out about that. So I turn my attention to the word of God, where God has spoken to us and revealed more of himself. So general revelation in nature, but special revelation in his word. Look at what verse 7 says. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. Are you downcast? Are you struggling in your spirit? Are you at war, not at rest? Is there noise, so to speak, in your soul? Then the word of God is your friend. It's the word of God that revives your soul. Over the course of my ministry life, I have spoken to numerous people and I have watched the word of God as it is opened, as it is studied, as it is read. I have watched the power of the word of God to impact and change lives. That's why I'm so committed to biblical counseling is because I see the word bringing that change to the people who meditate upon its contents. So there is special revelation. Verse 7, the law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. Then the testimonies of the Lord are sure, making wise the simple. The, the word of God has the ability to make simple people wise. When you look around the world today, you know what you see? You see wise people who are actually foolish. They have the wisdom of the world, but it actually makes them foolish. I've seen people with advanced medical degrees argue that there are more than one, more than two genders. I've seen bona fide people say, oh yes, there's more than two genders. Really? That's foolish. And so what happens is people who profess themselves to be wise are actually shown to be fools. But despite all their learning, despite all the philosophies that they've embraced, in the end, worldly wisdom is actually foolish. The scriptures, however, direct us and provide wisdom to those who lack wisdom, to those who are foolish, to those who are empty in their mind. They can fill it with the word of God and be wiser than those who are wise in the eyes of the world. So don't look to the world for wisdom. Look to the word of God. Incidentally, there's no encouragement here to seek prophetic words from Christian leaders. There's no need for some great Christian orator to come to you and give you some special word that does not exist in the scriptures. The truth is the word is enough. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. Verse 8, the precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. You, re you can rejoice because when you do what God says to do in his word, you can know that you are doing right. And your heart can rejoice in that knowledge. What else does it say? The commandment of the Lord is pure. According to verse 8, 
it enlightens the eyes. What does that mean? You mean the Bible somehow helps me physically see by lighting up my eyes? No, no. It's like it says in Psalm 119.105. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. If you're wondering in your life, where should I go? What should I do? I'm uncertain about a decision I must make. I'm uncertain about a course of action that I should take. Well, listen, read the word. The precepts and commands and teaching of God's word are light for your path. They help to illumine, to enlighten your eyes so that you can see where you ought to go and what decisions you ought to make. There's no need to grope about in uncertainty, wondering what mystery might be out there for you to embrace and or being paralyzed by insecurity because you simply can't make a right decision. No, open the word. What does the word tell you? What does the commandments of God direct you to do? That is where you find your true direction. The word enlightens the eyes. Well, the psalmist is really warmed up now. Yes, he had some great things to say about general revelation. But when it comes to special revelation, you can see a certain passion develop in the heart of the psalmist. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether, all tight, as we might say in Afrikaans. Um, see, I do know more than by a donkey. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. God's judgments, God's precepts, God's laws, God's way is always right. And we have special revelation to teach us that and to tell us that. So what do we do with this revelation? We have the general revelation. We have the special revelation. What do we do with it? Well, the psalmist tells us we desire it. We desire it. Look at what he says in verse 10. More to be desired are they than gold. The same way you might hunt for buried treasure. I don't know if you've watched the mystery of Oak Island on TV. It's about these two brothers who have bought up this small island in Nova Scotia, and they've been digging for ages to try to find some gold. They spent millions of their own fortune trying to find this buried treasure in the ground. That is the way you are to desire the truth of God's word. The same way you crave sweet and delicious food. Like when I was in Mexico, it was fine, but there's nothing quite like Janet's home cooking. And I wanted to eat some of it. I had this craving, this desire. That's the way we are to be with the word. We are to crave it. We are to desire it. Sweeter also than honey in the drippings of the honeycomb. Now, we also, not only do we get encouragement, not only do we get a means of uh, of wisdom and insight and to live in a way that is pleasing to God. But it's also a place where we receive warning. This special revelation in verse 11, it says, Moreover, by them is your servant warned. I come to the word and it tells me not only what I must do, not only how I should behave, it tells me how I shouldn't behave. It tells me what I must not do. And so the word does that. It's, it, it, it guides us and directs us and it warns us. So we look to the word for in. Instruction. It not only tells us what's right, it also tells us what's wrong. Moreover, by them is your servant warned, and it promises a reward to those who obey it. 
Ultimately, it promises a reward to those who keep or obey this particular truth. Moreover, by them is your servant warned, and in keeping them, there is great reward. If you obey the word, if you do what it says, if you believe it, if you believe the truth regarding Jesus, you will one day find yourself standing before Jesus, redeemed in heaven. What a great and wonderful reward that would be. I love the way David closes this psalm. What do we say about all this? I mean, nature is great. It tells us about God. The word, ah, yes, the word. It introduces us to God's truth. It tells us about Jesus. It gives us gospel hope for fallen sinners. But how does David respond to this? He lays it out for us in such beautiful, poetic phrases. But what do we do about it? Well, David responds with a prayer. He, he simply responds with a prayer. The word has highlighted for him his sinfulness. Please keep me. Who can discern his errors, he said. Declare me innocent from hidden faults. Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. Let the not have dominion over me. So many people today are rushing headlong into all kinds of sinful activities. But when we read the scriptures, when we study and discern and remember who God is and what he says to us, then we say to ourselves, who can discern his errors? The Bible exposes the sinfulness of my heart and causes me to turn to God in repentance and faith. Who can discern his errors? Declare me innocent from hidden faults. Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then shall I be blameless and innocent of the great transgression. The first thing the Word of God does is it highlights our own weakness, our own sinfulness, our own need. And then the truth about who God is rushes into our life and changes us and molds us and shapes us as we obey and submit to who and what God is. And then, verse 14, what a wonderful verse. I've heard many people quote this over the years. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. What does special revelation do to us? It, it causes us to want to please God. That's David's thing here. It, you know, nowadays it's how many followers can I get on Instagram and how many people will like my post on Facebook. And we're constantly clamoring about seeking the attention and approval and favor of all kinds of different people in our life, whether it's a spouse, whether it's a sibling, whether it's a friend, whether it's a girlfriend or a boyfriend. And some people are running around trying to build followers on social media so much with people they don't even know. Everybody's trying to be liked. Everybody's trying to be accepted. But David's prayer, upon reflecting that God has revealed, the way God has revealed himself to him, he says, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord. David's desire was to please the Lord. And as you read the word, you're instructed in how you might please the Lord. So David's final prayer, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock. God is a rock. To those people who will fix and fasten their the anchor of their hope, the anchor of their faith. For those people who will attach themselves to the word of God, to Christ, to 
to God the Father and to the work of the Spirit in the hearts, those people find that God is a rock to them and he is a redeemer. Yes, the scripture exposes our sinfulness, but it also exposes the way we can be forgiven, the way we can be redeemed, the way we can be reconciled to God through the person and work of Jesus Christ. That's what the word teaches us. That's why it's so refreshing. That's why it's like sweet honeycomb that we might take and eat in our mouths. Oh, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. What a wonderful prayer that David finishes his psalm with offering praise to God. Might I read this again for you? I'm just going to read the whole psalm, and then I'm going to close in prayer. But this is such a wonderful text. General revelation, the way God reveals himself in nature, so that all the world will know. General revelation is enough revelation to render everyone without excuse. No one will say someday before God, oh, I didn't know there was a God. How was I supposed to know that? Because everyone has seen and experienced nature. So no excuse. You knew there was God. But there's enough to condemn you, but there's not enough to save you. That's why God gave us his word. You can't go sit by a tree and know, oh, the Son of God came from heaven to offer his life on the cross for me, was buried for three days and rose again. You can't know that without the word. So God gives the word. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. So God gives us his word to teach us about who he is and what he has done. So we have general revelation and we have special revelation. Ways that God reveals himself to us. And then we respond by loving this truth, by immersing ourselves in this truth. And what we discover is that we're sinners. So we pray, we pray a prayer of confession to God saying, God, forgive me for the wicked, sinful things that I have done. Cleanse me. Please wash me. Keep me from those kind of sins. And then we say to God, and may you find my thoughts, my actions, my attitudes. May those things be acceptable in your sight because you are my rock and you are the one who has redeemed me from my iniquity. So let me finish. I want to read this and then I'll close in prayer for us this morning. Psalm 19. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. Day to day pours out speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. There is no speech, nor are there words whose voice is not heard. Their voice goes out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. In them has he set a tent for the sun, which comes out like a bridegroom leaving his chamber, and like a strong man runs its course with joy. Its rising is from the end of the heavens, and its circuit to the end of them. There is nothing hidden from its heat. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is your servant warned, and in keeping them there is great reward. Who can discern his errors? 
Declare me innocent from hidden faults. Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me, and I shall be blameless and innocent of great transgressions. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Let's pray. God, thank you. It's a pleasure to look at this particular psalm. It is so rich in its description of the world that you have made and the word that you have given. God, help us as we look around the world to rejoice in your creative power and might. And as we study your word, help us to rejoice in the truth that we find there and to fasten and fix our faith to what the word reveals to us. And Father, we would pray with the psalmist. Let the words of our mouths and let the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight because you are our rock and you are our redeemer. We love you for those things. We're grateful. We're thankful. We praise your name because you alone are worthy. Now, Lord, would you watch over the folks of Nyes in the West Bible Church? Would you watch over the folks from North Light Baptist Church, who I believe are also going to watch this video. Would you watch over anyone who is touched by this particular sermon, by this particular psalm? Would you guide them into your truth? Would you show them the path through your word in which they must walk? And would you help them and aid them by your Holy Spirit to do the things that are pleasing in your sight? Father, we ask these things now. In the wonderful name of Jesus Christ, amen. What is our hope in life and death? Christ alone, Christ alone. What is our holy confidence? That our souls to Him belong. Who holds our days within His hand? What comes apart from his command, and what will keep us to the end, the love of Christ in which we stand. Oh, sing hallelujah, our hope springs eternal, oh, sing our hope in life and death. What truth can calm the troubled soul? God is good, God is good. Where is his grace and goodness known? In our great Redeemer's blood, who holds our faith when fears arise? Who stands above the stormy trials? Who sends the waves to bring us nigh unto the shore, the rock of Christ? Oh, sing hallelujah! Our hope springs eternal. Oh, sing hallelujah! Now and ever we confess Christ our hope.
Unto the grave what will we see? Christ he lives, Christ he lives, and what reward will heaven bring? Everlasting life with him, where we will rise to meet the Lord, then sin and death will be destroyed, and we will feast in endless joy. When Christ is ours forevermore. Oh, sing hallelujah, our hope springs eternal. 